Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Now, here's your host, Dave Turner. Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Turner, and I'm your host here at Seat Yourself, and we're back here in Studio B of the Tabletop Journal Studios. This week, we've got another outstanding beverage-oriented podcast with our local resident cocktail expert, Zandela Ritson Hansen, joining us once again. And as we continue to bring you more content from the beverage area of the hospitality world, we'll be bringing you expert opinions and ideas for growth, and they'll all be under the new banner we're calling our Beverage Bar. And to those of you who've let us know how much you've been enjoying our Creative Spectrum series, not to worry at all. As we've said before, we're going to continue to bring you those most innovative and creative people. We're going to weave them in and out of our very busy podcast schedule. And in fact, we're already working on next week's Creative Spectrum podcast, and we've tentatively scheduled a well-known industry person who's taken full advantage of the current COVID situation. And in doing so, he's creating his own second chance career. So we're definitely looking forward to bringing his story to you on our next week's Seat Yourself podcast. But in the meantime, this week's podcast is episode number 86 of Seat Yourself, and is published in the week of August 3rd, 2020. This episode, it will run approximately 35 to 40 minutes. And as I said earlier, in this series we're calling the Beverage Bar Series, we intend to bring you trends and relevant concepts for all types of beverages, from cocktails to coffee, from beer and wine to water and tea. And we hope that you're going to enjoy and learn from the experts we'll have on as our guests. You can also find out more by checking out articles that we have on our Tabletop Journal website, tagged with the Beverage Bar tag. And also, as I said at the top, since we're on the topic of great content, hopefully you were able to check out the great webinar we moderated this past week. What a terrific panel of culinary, food, and beverage experts. And if you missed it, go to the Host Milano site. They and Fiero Milano were the sponsors. You can find it there. And if it's more convenient, you can also go to Thompson Hospitality's Facebook page and scroll down. You'll find it there as well. So now, for today's podcast, speaking of experts, I'd like you to welcome back to Seat Yourself, mixology expert, cocktail guru, and all-around good guy, Copenhagen's Zandela Redson Hansen. And everybody, I want you to welcome back to Seat Yourself in our new series, kind of, it's not really a series yet, but it's becoming one called The Beverage Bar, and I love that. Welcome back, Zandela Ritson Hansen. Xander, welcome back to our podcast. It's Monday. We always post on Mondays our podcast. How was your weekend, first of all, Xander? Good? This is good, good. Barbecue, enjoying the weekends. It's perfect. It's always good in Copenhagen, isn't it? Always. Living the dream. Hey, listen, today I want to, we just posted up over the weekend, we posted up another great beverage bar article from you on Cocktails to Go. And what I really loved about that story was you made Cocktails to Go, you kind of simplified it in my mind. Everybody can find it on Tabletop Journal's industry news page, Xander's newest article. But can you give us a couple of big takeaways that you, you, you want people to know about that article that we just published? Yeah. So when I was writing it, like doing through our talks, it came to me that from my point of view, in my head, it was quite easy to understand the very concepts. But through our talks, I could understand that since you're not used to it and depending on where in the world you were, the concept could 
be a new and, and scary for many, many companies, restaurants and bars. So basically what I tried is to put the concept into smaller areas within the concept to make it more easy to understand. So if you had a bar, well, this concept could work or this one. So within the whole idea and philosophy of Cocktails to Go, I tried to put it into more uh, smaller areas where you can take it step by step. There's no one right solution. There's not one right answer. It depends on the bar and where the bar is and what environment it is surrounded. Basically, I just try to put it into to layman's term where it's easier for the individual to, to grasp. And it's more of a philosophy and not really blueprints. You gave some great tips on things. Things like you talk about the dispenser, which I really like, because that means that you're you're in the dispenser being like we go to, we're all used to going to hotels and things and having a dispenser for water or for iced tea or things like that. And you talk about using that for cocktails. And I, I think that's really a great idea. One interesting part, though, that you also talked about was cocktail mini bags. And on our other podcast called Every Other Thursday, we had Philip Preston, who's the president of PolyScience Culinary on there. PolyScience is a fabulous company. I always call them the titans of thermal control and all that. But they do great packaging too. And a lot of the equipment is already in some of these restaurants to do these cocktails to go mini bags. And that was Philip's point. If you haven't listened to Philip Preston on our other podcast, everybody should check him out. He's awesome. But Xander, in your article, Cocktails to Go made simple, made easy. I really loved it. As you say, you just put it into layman's terms. And I'm definitely a layman when it comes to this. But you also touched on the branding and the marketing opportunities and the revenue opportunities. So that's really, it's really good stuff and it's a quick read. So I encourage everybody to check out Xander's latest article. You're a content producing machine, aren't you, Xander? I do like marketing and, and content and storytelling. So I actually enjoy And I, I think you like cocktails a little bit too. That as well. It was interesting. Plus, like I, I had to do my research when I went through it. Because on one hand, I'm used to my size of, of cocktails to go, but there's not really one answer. And you mentioned the bags yourself, which is it's based on what area you're in. So it was, it was actually interesting. When I reach out to, to, to my network, it's like, what are you guys doing in London? What are you guys doing in Madrid? What are you guys doing in Florida? So it was interesting to see also that the concept is already developing and it's in its own form of evolution, but it's very different from, from place to place. I actually enjoyed sitting down and doing the necessary research and putting it into writing. Well, in typical American fashion, as we keep promoting cocktails to go as a, a lifeline for revenue for bars and restaurants and so forth, and, and really a branding opportunity to a uh, convenience thing for the guest who wants to take away their dinner, all of a sudden, lo and behold, very American, there's some pushback on cocktails to go. And it's coming surprise, surprise, from the beer wholesale people. They're putting together uh, something called the Center for Alcohol Policy and some bureaucratic organization in talking about the concerns for cocktails to go. But I actually think that will play against them a, a little bit. And I, I understand that beer sales are being chipped away at by hard seltzers and, and all that kind of thing. But listen, consumers are going to go where consumers go. And as long as these cocktails to go are packaged right, are attractive, and people want to have that restaurant experience in their home or at a picnic or a barbecue or whatever. And I, that's why I really think just like food takeaway 
is going crazy, exploding. And then not just in times of COVID, it was before, but now it's really exploding. I actually believe Cocktails to Go will be, and if it's a lifeline to the restaurateur or the bar manager, God bless them. They all should be doing it. Yeah, it's difficult for me to comment on any uh, domestic rulings and laws. For me, it's actually interesting is that I understand their problem, but what was interesting with Cocktails to Go is that my belief is that this is a way for bars bartenders to, on one hand, make more money, which I tried in the article to, to emphasize where the revenue comes. As a marketing and consumer behavior guy, I was mostly focused on the marketing. But for me, it was actually interesting. If, if you look at the beer companies, just to, to pay a little bit on them, if you look at uh, non-Europe, Cocktails to Go helped emphasize mocktails and a non-alcoholic theme. That has, to some extent, helped the less alcohol-based products get into market. And we see through Europe that all the breweries are pushing with low-proof beers. Where did that came from? The mixology part. So maybe instead of fighting mixology, look five years ahead of time where you can actually see the benefit. Because we see a lot of like low-proof beers, which has a lot of benefits, not just less than alcohol, but you can actually enjoy it. I was at a wedding I didn't want to get too, too drunk, so uh, half of the night I was drinking low-proof beers. But that concept came from mixology, so don't, don't fight it. Uh, be a part of the movement. Well, you're just segueing into our next uh, segment. That is today, in addition to, one more time, I want to remind people to go to Xander's article on our industry news page of Tabletop Journal. It's cocktails to go, made simple. But I want to transition into low-proof non-alcohol, and mocktails. And then finally, in our second segment today, after our break, we want to, we want to finish up with going eco-friendly in your bar situation. I know, Sandra, you have a lot of thoughts on that, on the eco-friendly and sustainability aspect, and we want to come back and finish up with that. But right now, I want to go into that low-proof, non-alcoholic mocktail thing. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on mocktails. I'm a big fan of mocktails. Here, I've been working with them in Denmark for 10 years when it was still called, in our language, uh, virgin drinks, which is not the best way to describe it. What was it called? Uh, virgin drinks. Virgin drinks, okay. No, no alcohol. And over the last many years, we went to mocktails, which is a, a bit more sexy description of it. And for me, mocktails, non-alcoholic, low-proof, is an interesting con- concept. We don't go to bars to, to drink as much as we did before. We want to enjoy it more. We use more money on more expensive alcohol, more expensive champagne. We want to live in the moment. We want to enjoy it. And more and more, we don't want to be intoxicated. We actually want to to enjoy the the whole moment without being drunk. And what happened over the last many years, that bartenders from around the world, the hospitality in in all its its, its glory, has been working more and more with the concept of non-alcoholic. And there's been, through the last 10 years, trials and error, where you made an alcohol-free wine, was not as good as it should be, then you start to develop it, it became better. In the early days, you took a drink, removed the alcohol, and called it non-alcoholic. Now you're actually creating something new, where you use all the different flavors to do a mocktail. So for me, what's interesting is that it's a new segment within our industry, which is being recognized more and more, and I believe within... If, if not already, within a few years, it will be on the same level as going out for a cocktail. Isn't there a big slice of that attraction to low-alcohol mocktail-type beverages? Isn't there a big slice of that that's driven by a, this overall wellness 
trend that we see, whether it be food, and now we're talking about beverages, of course, but isn't there an overall trend of wellness that kind of sweeps that low alcohol thing along with it too? Yes and no. It depends where you are in the world and which region. I think a lot of what's happened, it's not just that it's it's more healthy for you, but you just want to enjoy it more. Many years, the, the quality of a product was based on the alcohol percentage, where now you can actually have a really good product and it's only 20 proof or 10 in my calculation. So you don't have, before the rule was high quality, high proof. You don't have that anymore. Yes, there is a health segment to it as well, but in generally the, the quality has become so good that why not go out for a aperitif where you can still drive afterwards. But wouldn't you say that operators also have to work just as hard to market those cocktails, those low-alcohol cocktails, or those non-alcohol cocktails, mocktails, just like they do? And it's to me, it's when I look at menus these days, I'm looking for a story. I want to understand what the makeup of a cocktail is, or or even a, a food dish, and maybe what what garnishes are in them. I mean, they they have to present that. That's a whole packaging issue of which the cocktail or the mocktail menu has to be part of that. Isn't that true? It is. But I think like, if, if you look at mocktails, non-alcoholic, it's gin is a category. Rum is a category. So it's non-alcoholic, low-proof mocktails. It's a new category and it's trying to find it, its place. If you go around Copenhagen, you go to a bar, there's cocktails on the menu, but there's also mocktails. It's a natural theme now and you see that in germany and in oslo and in the uk scotland ireland and you see those more and more in the us and there is of course some who go through this is healthy some just want to drive home some are pregnant but i think when you think about the concept you cannot compare it to a whiskey cocktail it's, it's a segment for itself gin and whiskey the only thing they have in common is it's, it's a spirit where a mocktail and a whiskey drink, what they have in common is within the hospital uh, mixology. So you have to see it and recognize it as, as a category within enjoyment, within mixology. And, and those same things that when we talk about cocktails to go, those benefits to the operator, they're still very, very present, whether it be revenue or branding and all the other things. They're still very, very present in that low alcohol or mocktail category too. Is that correct? Yeah. If, if we look at cocktails to go, I would argue that if you go to a barbecue, that the customer who buys from your bar cocktails to go would also purchase mocktails to go. Because why do they choose a mocktail? Well, they have a party, 20 people are coming. You don't know all the people they want, but you want to make sure your guests are satisfied, they're happy, that you don't force them to drink. So you give them an alternative, which is still delicious. And with mocktail, same as cocktail, you want a, a really nice glass, you want to present it correctly with garnish. So the mocktail is just an addition when you want to give your guests a unique experience. And if you don't, if you want to drive home, you want a mocktail. If you're pregnant, you want a mocktail. If you, if you just don't want hangover or if you're not in the mood for alcohol, you can have a delicious drink, which by coincidence has no alcohol. But alcohol is not the essence of a mocktail. A mocktail is enjoyment, which happens to be alcohol-free or low in alcohol. Are uh, ready-to-drink canned or bottled mocktails, are they becoming a bigger and bigger part of all this, particularly on a to-go basis? Alcohol-based cocktails are, of course, still the biggest. But we can, if, if you look through, through um, like Denmark and Europe, where I normally operate, mocktails low-proof is, 
is being more and more seen. But you also have to think about it uh, like the concept because right now there is some called a non-alcoholic, which is then of course non-alcoholic. I'm a big favor of the concept of low proof, which is is a fluent statement. It could be five or ten proof. It's, it's still low proof, so you don't narrow yourself to it has to be alcohol free. But you see the the, the very concept of low proof non-alcoholic is, is is growing. And you see that in more and more countries. Now, I'm thinking of if I have a bar and I have a Cocktails to Go program already that's just starting to get off the ground or whatever, and I'm wondering, are there any tips that you have for turning a cocktail into a mocktail or a low-alcohol cocktail to go? Are there any special things that you need to do that you can suggest to operators so that it helps them convert their existing cocktails that they, they may have a they may have done everything we've proposed to them about building up their clientele and getting them ready for a simplified menu, a few basic things, six or eight cocktails on there, and now they want to move into that low alcohol market. What kind of tips can you give them? Depending on the bar, I, if I were to suggest it to my younger self, I would recommend the marketing part. Mocktails, it's it's sexy. It's a good story to tell. It's good for the environment or for the population because it's not it's not promoting alcohol. You can serve it just as sexy with a really nice cocktail glass. Financially, you make more money on it. A cocktail shaking could let's say cost ten ten dollars. If you do a mocktail, it's maybe eight point five nine dollars, but it's cheaper since you don't use alcohol. But the revenue is actually higher. Creating a mocktail, don't think about having a cocktail and remove the alcohol. That almost never works, and you get a really bad taste. Yeah, I was going to ask that question. You just can't, you just can't leave the alcohol out and call it a mocktail. No, you can't. And that's what, I, for the last many years, what happened with non-alcoholic drinks is that you did, I want a rum and coke, but remove the rum. Okay, you have a coke. But instead, look at the ingredients. Well, if you want... A specific ingredient, then f- find the pure source, find the nut, the orange, and work from the ingredients you have, and create from there. Uh, a mocktail is, is the same as a cocktail in, in the building, where you t- take different flavors, and then you build from there. You build it, you shake it, you stir it. Same principle. It's just without alcohol, so it, alcohol can't be in that thought process. Yeah, I think it's still about the experience, still about the people you're with, still about going and connecting that human connection part of it. And there's certain physiological things, hydrating people and all that, but there's still that human connection thing that we're all really hardwired to do. One thing that's important, if a bar is is new to it, if, if they're not used to it, it's important that they recognize what kind of guests they are and tell about the product in, in the proper way. So it's not just a rum and coke without a rum, but it's actually a mocktail. It's, it's delicious. Nice pictures, nice glass. You have to promote and sell it just as you did a high-quality cocktail because it is on the same level. It's just in a different area, a different categorization. So, so when you want to start playing with mocktails and introduce it to your guests, don't go down in quality. Make sure you still use the right ingredients. Promote it the same way. Use the right glasses, equipment, everything. If you want to drink it, you still want to have it properly promoted, same as your guest wants to. Yeah, I think that's great advice and, and some great tips there on how to build up your low alcohol, your mocktail collection, and how to continue the revenue stream under an umbrella of perhaps of wellness, but certainly uh, it's part of the overall marketing and you can't scrimp on quality. That's the point right there, too. This has been great. I love this segment. We're going to take a break right now. 
And we're going to come back with more for Zandela Ritz and Hansen. And we're going to talk, we're going to finish up on mocktails and low alcohol beverages. And then we're going to get into sustainability. So we'll be right back with a little bit more here on Seat Yourself and our new, I guess we can still call it a new series called The Beverage Bar. Back to you in a minute. This episode of Seat Yourself is sponsored in part by the Edward Don and Company. Everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And if you have not yet signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, now would be a great time to do so. Go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. It's a quick and easy sign up and a great way to stay on top of all the important going ons in the world of hospitality tabletop. That's tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Seat Yourself. And we're here again with Zandela Ritson Hansen. And we've been talking about Xander's latest article under our beverage bar series called Cocktails to Go Made Simple. And we've moved into low alcohol and mocktails. And Xander, you had one more comment before we took the break that you wanted to make and as an example of hard evidence of the trends in mocktails and low alcohol. Go ahead. Yeah. So what's interesting is that not so long ago, a company, American Diageo, which I'm pretty sure most know is the world's largest. Everybody knows Diageo. Everybody knows Diageo. They bought the majority shareholder in a UK-based company called Seablip, which is a non-alcoholic or low-proof spirit. And if Diageo goes and purchase a product like that, you know it's, that something will happen. There's something going to change in the industry when a company like Diageo goes and, and, and buys Seablip. Yeah, Diageo and companies like Diageo, they have so much, they have access to so much information and market trend and market share information that they know where the trends are going. They have more than more than all of us together probably. And so if you can you can bet that if Diageo is interested, it's, a, it's going to be a category that grows. So I'm really excited about the future for low alcohol cocktails and mocktails in particular, and particularly in a to-go platform. So I, I think that's great. And our first segment, you gave some great tips on people if they're, they've got a small to-go cocktails to-go menu already, how they can translate that into a mocktail or a low alcohol uh, menu to-go as well. I want to uh, switch gears a little bit though, Xander, with you. And I know you're a big fan of uh, sustainability and eco-friendly and all that. Tell us, if I'm running a bar or a restaurant situation or even a cocktails to go situation, how do I get more sustainable? How do I become more eco-friendly? Difficult question to answer. It depends on how you see eco-friendly, how you see sustainability. Um, there are many, many different ways. Uh, the easy one is to remove plastic straws and go for paper, steel, or glass straws or something similar. But there are many, 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 many different ways. Um, how you use your lime for garnish, peel all the lime and then squeeze it. There are many, many, many ways to, to, to go eco-friendly. It's an interesting trend because it will happen around the world. It's only going to grow. It's a force you can't really stop. So, so it's, 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 every bar should look into how they can increase their eco-friendly profile. And it can be by uh, removing plastic. It can be by finding an alternative. We see here uh, a ban in plastic straws in Denmark. Uh, so you use bamboo and everything else. But also just like how do you use the product we have? We see bars are 
reusing some of the, the fruit, peel everything off, and then squeeze the lime or lemon. Yeah, I, I think that, first of all, sustainability is absolutely here to stay and uh, the, saving the planet, being more eco-friendly. I think everybody's interested in that. I think it's a little bit more involved. And I learned some stuff the, the other day. We did a, we were fortunate enough to be uh, hosting a webinar where we had the top, very, very top people from Marriott International, from Oceana and Regency Seven Seas Cruises, and a Michelin-starred chef along with a great, great uh, wholesaler to the food service business on a webinar. And we went about an hour and a half, and I was I was really excited uh, about the sustainability portion of that discussion. And, and uh, Franco uh, from Oceana and Regent Seven Seas talked about the way they view sustainability and is you can't eliminate plastics typically, but you can dramatically reduce. And I think that becomes more of a of a philosophy that's a little bit easier to digest because Reiner from Marriott, he, he was talking about sometimes the discussion can be overwhelming about sustainability. And, and they found at Marriott that it's much better to find small bits and bite them off one piece at a time. So I love it. I think sometimes all of us get a little overwhelmed maybe, but we can all do our part. And it really becomes a philosophy, don't you think? I think that if you want to go eco-friendly, you have to see it from inside and out. What you can do with your from your bar, with your... We don't have all the money like gadgets by non-alcoholic-free. So, so we have to work with what we got. And we cannot go total eco-friendly. That's impossible. But we can do our part. We can purchase paper straws, we can find a glass producer who are using reuse glass. Almost all of the major glass producers are going into reuse glass. So we can ask that and by a customer asking the producer, if not customers are asking, they will start to develop it. So it's, it's more looking at from baby step, what can I do from my bar to help the environment? And you, you cannot go total eco-friendly. Uh, eco it's, it's impossible because what about the power where does the power for your bar come from? So it's, you have to recognize that you can only do a small part, but if we're all doing a small part, it's become bigger and bigger. But eco-friendly as a concept is, is, is growing. We are getting more and more new solutions for a problem we didn't really know we had until recently. But a bar, they can reuse glassware, straws, how they purchase the aprons. If a bar is cutting down on apron, what the guests can take, they will actually use less aprons which is actually cost efficient, but also saves the environment for cutting it on a tree. So there are many, many different ways where you can, you can go eco-friendly by taking, taking very small steps. Yeah, even buying vegetables and buying produce and, and uh, supplies of all kinds locally, rather than having them transported all around the globe, that's even a step. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine. She's selling uh, straws, and she was eco-friendly. Amazing. So where did it come from? China. Well, the transportation, you can argue that, yes, it's more eco-friendly than, than plastic straws, but then again, you have the transportation. I, I understand with, with, with the eco-friendliness, but you also have to see it that it's, you cannot go total eco-friendly, but you can do the best you can to go eco-friendly. See, one of the things that I think is a missed opportunity for a lot of restaurateurs and bar managers and, and, and so forth is even if they have this philosophy of trying to be more eco-friendly and more sustainable and all that, they need to tell that story in a marketing way. And I and maybe that's just the marketing gene in me coming out. But but I think that a lot of places that I know that are doing things and even they're doing their part, so to speak, 
but they need to tell that story to their guests. And I think that it, it doesn't take a lot, uh, maybe the printing of a card that either is a table card or something that goes in the to-go packaging to tell them what you're doing. Tell your guests what you're doing. Make them aware of it. Bring that level of sustainability that you're working hard towards. Bring that to a higher level of awareness for your guests. Because I think I think if you're a, uh, a sustainable bar, a restaurant and bar operation, I think people are more predisposed to uh, return and be, be a regular customer, don't you? I agree, but I should go even further that if you look at a customer or a, a general person, we instantly want to feel good. We want to do the right thing. We want to show people we do the right thing, but we just want to feel good. And by telling them you're doing a right, a good thing here, you're doing the right thing, you, you can actually use the customers to promote your own friendly profile by giving them the experience and the emotion that they're doing something good. We, we all want to, to feel good. We go to a, to a nice bar to, to enjoy the total environment. And, and going eco-friendly is, is on the same level that if you make sure that the guest knows and they appreciate it and it will come back to you, within marketing, eco-friendly is a very strong tool. I, I take your one step further and I would take it one more step. And I would say that as I tell you, if I'm the restaurateur or bar manager, and I tell you, my guest, how I'm working hard to be more sustainable, then that may make you in your daily life, in your home, work hard to be more sustainable and more eco-friendly as well. So I, I think we're all in this together. I think it's it, we're all inhabitants of this place called Earth, and I think we all want to uh, preserve it as best we can. I don't know anybody who walks around saying, I, can't, I hate the Earth, I want to destroy it, I want to do bad stuff to it. I know people all want fresh water, they all want sustainable food and, 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 and all that, and power and all things. So I think the more we do, the better off we all will be. And I think it's a good thing. Good thing. Do you have any real one, two, three quick tips? I mentioned you mentioned straws. What else can uh, bar operators do since we're in a, a beverage bar situation? Is there are there things that cocktail people in general can do beyond just straws and, and, and all that? A couple of tips. First, just go two steps back and just look at the world. What is eco-friendly? Instead of buying a vodka from somewhere in Spain, if you're in New Orleans, Find a local producer that's eco-friendly by their nature since you don't have to transfer it over the ocean. That's one way of, of being eco-friendly. So look at the very word, how it impacts your, your bar. Straws is an easy one. Look at the fruit. Can you get it local instead of limes coming from the other side of the world? And glasses, tools you use are being more and more eco Friendly bar tools are being more eco friendly. Glasses are reused, bottling. So it's, it's not really difficult. Um, go through your inventory list and then look for can, can I, is there an alternative? Can I replace it? So it's not really that difficult to, 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 um, to find. And you have to remember step by step, baby steps are okay. A rum wasn't built in a day. And what I can do here, eco friendly, is not the same as maybe you or somewhere in, in Spain. So we have to look at where you are and take one step at a time. 
Yeah, I, I think the, the three things you mentioned, buy local, the straw situation, and reusing of your fruit, and get recycled glassware if you can. I think all three of those are great marketing stories, too. And if you're doing those, if you're an operator and, you, and you're either doing them now or you begin to do them, make sure your guests know about that. Let them know the things, the steps that you're taking. I think that's really important, and I think that that will create a different piece to your overall brand message. Yeah. Xander, it's always a pleasure being with you. I'm really thrilled to have you back on See Yourself. Everybody, make sure you check out Xander's Cocktails to Go Made Simple article in our industry news section on Tabletop Journal. Xander, I hope you'll be back with us again very, very soon. In the meantime, uh, you can check out Xander's website, Mixology International. You'll find a lot of cool stuff there because he's a cool guy doing lots of cool things. If you have a specific question for Xander, he's pretty easy to find on LinkedIn, so you'll check him out there too. Make sure you follow him because, again, he's involved in a lot of cool stuff. If you like cocktails, you're going to like what Xander's doing. So, Xander, great having you. Thanks for having me. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, please be sure to check out www.tabletopjournal.com.